Yoelos, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure and an honor to be with you. So we hear about a two-state solution, and sometimes we hear about a one-state solution, but there seems to be growing popularity in new types, new alternative solutions that we hear less about, but they are gaining in population. And you have one of those solutions that you've been working on for quite some time. Um, from what I've heard, it seems unique, it seems sophisticated, and and quite creative. And I've always said for such a complex conflict, we need a creative solution. So what is it exactly you're working on, Yoel? Okay, so I've, like you, um, like you said, I've been working on this for, uh, for quite some time. Um, uh, just a little bit about my background. Um, so I, I was just saying to you privately that I'm originally from New York. You said you're from uh, New Jersey. So growing up in the United States, it was very, uh, very um, common or familiar. Everybody knows that, okay, there are 50 states and each state has its own governor and it has its own court system and its own state elections. But there is a federal government as, as well. And the, you know, the, the, the motto of the country is e pluribus unum, out of many, one. So you have this notion of, uh, you know, you have the two different flags for, or different flags for different states. Um, so federalism was, uh, was, a, was a model that growing up in America was, was completely normal and, uh, and natural. I've always, uh, as a religious person, I, I've always had interest in communicating with other uh, religious people. And it seemed that every time that I would meet with someone who was Muslim, um, that the magic word was Abraham, Ibrahim. Um, and as soon as you sort of said, okay, we're, we're, we're both, um, you know, either actual children of, uh, of Abraham, um, or we are, you know, philosophical, uh, children of, uh, uh of Abraham, all of a sudden it, it created a, a dialogue, ability to, um, to, to talk with each other that we, you know, we're not, we're not the same, but we have something in common, um, and so it just, um, it all sort of came together um, that I developed this paradigm uh, called Abrahamic federalism, um, that really in order to approach the, um, the situation, um, you need to address two, um, two issues. One is political symbolism um, or political, one is political uh, symbolism and the other is political structure. So the, the structure I think a model like New York, New Jersey, or, you know, um, and Washington, D.C. as a possible model for Jerusalem, uh, a, a, um, an area that is um, belonging to both or to all um, uh, as, 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 as something that we can work with. Also, I, I've studied other federal models like uh, the European Union, which is more of a confederation. We can talk a little bit about the differences between a federation and a confederation. Uh, we looked at Switzerland, Canada, Australia. There are other uh, models where you can have, um, you know, two different flags, two different governments, but some other body that coordinates between uh, between these uh, uh, these two bodies. And um, so I I feel that this model of a Abrahamic federalism um, shifts how we think about the, the situation. Um, and Abraham as a unifying symbol, um, specifically for the Holy Land, um, seems to speak very clearly um, as, as to why the Jews are in uh, the Holy Land in the first place. It's a very simple marker, but it's also it's an ecumenical um, uh, symbol um, that um, that is that brings us together, and Abraham specifically, it, his um, uh, he, he represents in both Judaism and Islam is the uh, the element of hospitality, of kindness, of uh, an open tent, uh, welcoming to to everyone, and that's I think what we're trying to uh, uh, to replicate here. Um, you know that everyone belongs here, everyone is welcome here. Uh, so people will sometimes ask, well, what about um, Buddhists and Hindus? I'm like, well, they're welcome too. Like, it's, 
it's you know it's, it's not, everybody's uh, welcome everybody's welcome yeah and you know it's not just that the land um that yeah, arguing does the land belong to this group does the land belong to, to that group we all belong here i think is right the, is, is the right way of, uh, so it's essentially it's giving people autonomy over their own localized community, but all living under one unified roof and the unifier being Abraham, which I think is very clever because it is our common ancestor, at least in biblical terms. Um, I'm, I'm liking what I hear so far. <laughs> yeah. So the model, I, I wrote a book uh, called Abrahamic Confederation um, uh, a solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Um, I've recently um, developed uh, uh, more towards Abrahamic Federation, but it's really, it's, I think what's appropriate is a hybrid model, something in between Federation and Confederation. It's just a question of what you call it, uh, you know, but I, I don't think the name matters uh, so much. In Switzerland is, is called the Swiss Confederation officially, but it's actually a federation. Um, so I think that, um, you know, the idea of having, I, I think that there should be um, a council rather than a joint federal government. Um, I think we would maintain a Jewish state of Israel and there would be alongside it an Arab state of Palestine. Um, I think it's, it's, uh, it's vital that there be equal civil rights, but voting rights would be for two different governments. Um, and that is a way of providing equality to Palestinians while at the same time for Jews maintaining the Jewish state, which is very important um, for, uh, for Jewish people and for Israelis. Um, and I think that that sort of um, circles the square um, and allows us to have a, a model um, uh, where it's, I, I sometimes call it instead of two states or one state, two states in one state. Um, so it's, um, we, the, there are three terms, uh, really, um, one is, uh, autonomy, um, another is independent, and then the third is, uh, is sovereign. Um, and I think that there are problems with both autonomy and sovereignty for, for different reasons. Um, but I think we can work with the term independent. Uh, I think there's a desire for, um, each, each group wants, its own level of independence um, uh, to operate. And I think that what you would have, uh, the, the Knesset would remain the, the parliament of the state of Israel and it would be in West Jerusalem. Uh, I propose that if the, if the Palestinians want a seat of government in East Jerusalem, they want a Majlis, a parliament of, uh, of some sort. I, I don't think that there's a, there's a problem, uh, frankly, um, with, with uh, the Arab neighborhoods of East Jerusalem, I think the real core difficulty is the old city. Um, and that if we think about the old city or the, what they call the Holy Basin, the Mount of Olives, that that would have a separate status, maybe like Washington DC or like the Vatican. Um, and that would uh, you know, be specifically the location of the Abrahamic Federation uh, Council. I think that that's, uh, I've also uh, recently coming, started proposing that the council um, should have maybe 12 members of each, uh, of each state representing the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 tribes of Ishmael. I thought that that was an interesting uh, number of council, uh, council members and that um, my partners and I, we, we've discussed this, uh, there's some agreement, disagreement, but I think that instead of having a president or um, a prime minister, that there would be a chair and a vice chair, and that it would rotate every six months. So that the head of state for the state of Israel would remain the president of the state of Israel, and the head of government would be the prime minister. For all intents and purposes, I, I think you know things would stay very similar uh, to the way that they are now for Israelis. Um, and the but you wouldn't have this situation where it's like one state where there's one, you know, okay, well, who will be the president and who will be the prime minister? Like you have in Lebanon where it's like, okay, you always have to have a Shiite as a, as a, as a president and a, and a, and a prime minister always has to be a Sunni. And I, I don't think that that's what we want to, uh, what we want to do. I think there, 
are other ways of uh, of organizing this. Um, but I think that for Palestinians, the key issues are uh, civil rights. I think that there needs to be a bill of rights uh, for all um, uh, people in the in the federation. Um, and I think that they want from every all of my discussions, they want freedom of movement, freedom of employment, and equality. Um, and I think that th that having I, I believe that the green line should be erased. Um, I think that this is one country. Um, and maybe two states in one country is also another way of of, of, of thinking about it. Um, I, I think that the, the green line is the real the 1949 uh, armistice lines and it's it's just that's where the hostilities ended but I think that it's one uh, one unit um, really um, and I, but I think that we can um, deal with the boundaries uh, sort of like county boundaries or like uh, jurisdiction boundaries um, and so that Palestinians would rule over themselves um, and they would have a state and call it a state I, I don't have a problem um, with that um, I think that um, there are there will have to be like three different levels of government local um, um, national and federal um, and I think that uh, the the national will be where the um, uh, the, this, the the different parliaments exist. Federal level will be a council. I think we also need to have a federation uh, police force um, so that uh, have you, have that you already the, have you yeah. already worked out how the balance the balance of power between all these different branches of government would be, or is that still details that need to be worked out? So we're working out the the details. Um, I think that we want to create a model that is broad enough that we don't get caught in the in the thorns and get stuck on details. We want we want to have as you know broad a model as possible. But you also have to say, okay, well, how is this actually going to work? Um, Israelis in general. Um, you know, they want to know, okay, how is this going to work? What's going to happen with the army? Um, you know, specific, how are you going to deal with, uh, citizenship and, uh, right of return and, uh, how many, uh, seats at the United Nations, things, uh, things like that. Um, so we, we have, we have worked those out. Um, but I, I think we want to keep it again at this broad, also Abrahamic federal, Abrahamic Federation uh, model where, okay, we don't have to agree on every last detail. Um, we can work it out, but I think, you know, the broader picture is one that, um, uh, that if I think we want to try to get support. It needs to be both simple and detailed at the same time. So some people uh, want, people want to know the details. How is this actually going to work? Um, but some people, they just also, they want to have a sense of, you know, the broad, uh, broad picture. So I think that there, you know, there would be two flags, the, the current flags, and there would be a third flag, sort of like the Euro European Union has its own uh, flag. I think it should be something with a tent, probably. Um, and uh, A tent, a rainbow, yeah. and some falafel balls. Sorry? A tent, a rainbow, and some falafel balls. <laughs> Yeah, I just I, I, I just threw together some things that you know that seemed fun, <laughs> but uh, I didn't put much thought into that. Sure, one. I, I like shawarma better. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, but I you know I'm I'm all about supporting uh, the future, which I believe is vegan. So I I would support the <laughs> the, the, the falafel. Okay. Um, so you mentioned right of return. I think this is the one of the greatest challenges that people don't know how to approach. So you said you have that worked out. Yes, so I, we think that the European Union's model of uh, separating citizenship and residency um, might be the right way to do this. That, for example, someone who is uh, a French citizen moves to Germany, um, they can become um, a, a resident of Germany, but they, they remain um, a French national or French citizen. They, write, they vote in French 
um, uh, national elections. So I think you can have a situation um, where um, you can, each state can decide who it wants to give citizenship to. So Israelis, the Israeli law of return um, allows the state of Israel to say it wants to grant citizenship to any Jew over the, throughout the world. Um, if, uh, if Palestinians want to say that they want to give citizenship um, to, uh, to Palestinians in the diaspora, um, I think that it, that would be okay because it wouldn't, it wouldn't change the balance of power in terms of the demographics because they wouldn't be voting in the Knesset. Um, in terms of if they wanted to move, let's say if someone from Ramallah wanted to move to Jaffa, they would remain a Palestinian citizen, um, but they could apply for residency in, uh, in Israel. Um, but I think that in terms of, we also need to think in terms of the, for Palestinians, the issue of return. I think we need to take it out of the realm of um, uh, not fantasy, but um, you know, just sort of a, an idea. And how would this actually work, how, how practically speaking? Um, you know, is there going to be a ministry of absorption? Who's going to pay for it? So I think Israelis, you know, will say, okay, you want to, to, to return. Um, you, you set up your own ministry of absorption, but we're not paying for it. Um, Palestinians, you know, will have to fund it themselves and they'll have to fi work, figure out how are they going to provide employment for, uh, for Palestinians coming from uh, the diaspora. Is there going to be a competition between, uh, um, you know, Palestinians who are here now and Palestinians would be uh, coming from, uh, from abroad, um, educating um, uh, the, the Palestinians who might, who might want to come here. Those are, the, those are some of the real, the real economic um, questions that I think when we, when we start talking about, okay, again, like how would this practically work? Um, you know, I, I think that Palestinians have to decide for themselves, you know, what kind of uh, government, what kind of governing structure uh, do they want? And they have to, and, you know, we, we can work with each other, um, but I think that um, this is one of the things that they have, to, um, they have to decide for themselves who they want to grant citizenship to. But I think that we could also, you could have, but the, the second level of citizenship um, is the federation citizenship. So I, I think like in the European Union, you could have um, a federation passport, Abrahamic federation passport, and it would have two versions. One would be an Israeli version, and one would be a Palestinian version. Um, and all citizens of the federation, again, they would have uh, equal civil rights. Um, but the, 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 the trick is how do you do this while maintaining a Jewish state? Um, uh, demographically, and I think that this uh, that federation or confederation is the key the, the, that will unlock this particular problem. How do you give rights? How do you allow uh, Palestinians from abroad to, to come here um, while still maintaining a Jewish state? Um, I think that um, providing an independent Palestine, what we don't want is separation. That, that's the, that's the, key, the key thing. We, a separation, we don't believe, brings peace. Um, a separation is a divorce. That's what you do when you can't live with each other. We have to figure out how to live with each other. The model that we, we talk about is that this is, rather than a, um, a marriage dispute, that it's an inheritance dispute. It's a family dispute. Um, but the question is, how do we allocate you know, the, um, the property, the, the, the Yerusha, the inheritance, um, um, you know, in an equitable uh, manner. And I think that that's, um, you know, when I, so Israelis, again, like they want to know the details. When I speak to Palestinians, they're like, they're thrilled with Abraham. They love it. Um, they said, but they don't really know necessarily what federalism is. Uh, but they're like, sounds pretty good. Um, and Yala, what are you waiting for? Um, and I think that now with uh, the deal with uh, the United Arab Emirates, it's going to create an opportunity for economic development in the region where Palestinians really could be the middlemen, um, the, the brokers um, between uh, the Israelis and, uh, and the Gulf states. Um, I think that we, we, can, we should have one open market 
Um, and I think that we should, you know, try to figure out how do we open up to the markets of the, of the Middle East. And I think that that's also something that the Europeans, when they, when they agreed on having one open market, that was what broke down a lot of the barriers between, uh, between the countries. You still have, again, each state has its own regulations. It has its own laws. It has its own, uh, parliament. You have to work out what are the boundaries between the national level and the federal level. I personally think that the federal level needs to be very limited um, in terms of its power, but there's things like infrastructure and transportation and water, um, and I think also security to some extent that we can uh, we can work together on. Right. Would you say it's fair to say that Israelis care more about the details than Palestinians because we, we have different concerns, right? Palestinians currently aren't equal, so that's really all they care about. They don't care what the details are as long as they're they're free and equal. And Israelis, it's more of a demographic and security concern, so that's why those details are very important. How do we maintain some, you know, demog- demographic control and remain secure? It seems like that's probably driving the, the distinction between how Israelis and how Palestinians react to, to this. Yeah, and I also think that um, Israeli Jews don't realize how significant Ibrahim is um, in Islam, um, and that the majority of Palestinians, Arabs, Muslims, are traditional. They're religious people. Um, uh, you know, ninety percent, I think, start you know, Ramadan fasting. Um, I don't know that ninety percent make it through the whole month. But uh, they have a very, um, the Quran mentions Ibrahim uh, many, many times, mentions Musa, Moses 136 times. Uh, you know, they, they identify with uh, many of the stories in, uh, in the Torah. And um, it's, uh, it, it, they, they see themselves, they see us as the children of Yitzchak, and they see themselves, the Arabs, as the, as the children of, uh, of Ishmael. Um, and that, you know, we're, you know, we're cousins. Uh, we know that Hebrew and Arabic were, you know, related languages. They're both Semitic. Um, some people ask, well, why don't you, maybe we should have like a Semitic alliance. So I don't have a particular problem with that, but I don't, it doesn't provide the same level of inspiration. I think uh, no, I, it doesn't touch the soul, the heart screens the way I, Abraham. I agree completely. I think that the connection to Abraham is far stronger than connection to Semitism. And if you want to do something that will inspire people, you need to touch on areas that are important to them. It's it's interesting. Uh, I interviewed Gershon a few weeks ago, Gershon Baskin, and he, he, being a secular Jew, said something similar. He said, we need a way for the peace building process to be, become a religious process as well. We, we need religion to be included in the peace building process. And, you know, at first, at first I was wondering where that came from. And upon thinking about it, it makes perfect sense because you have probably the, it's fair to say the majority of the people living on this land are religious and their connection to religion is stronger and more significant than my connection is to secularism, right? I don't have a, a deep connection to secularism. I just am secular. So it, it, it seems like we need to understand the reality of the demographic and, and, and find a way to implement religious tones into our solution in order to inspire and unify people. So I, I think that for secular people, there's, there's also this kind of hesitancy. It's like, well, is this, you know, how's this going to affect me religiously or, you know, so I think, you know, it still maintains freedom of religion, freedom of religious practice. Um, I actually think that, I mean, if, if you think about the, the term Israel itself, um, it's also has religious uh, overtones and connotations. Abraham is actually a broader, uh, a broader term, um, but I think it has healing power. Um, and I think that in terms, it's been said, that if religion is part of the problem, it also needs to be part of the solution. Um, and I think for the Holy Land specifically, um, it's clear that um, we need to be dealing with with religion in a in a sensitive but serious uh, serious way. And I think that that's actually been one of the 
um, the uh, the flaws of a lot of the peacemaking um, in uh, in the past is that they've always seen religion as an obstacle, um, something that needs to be rolled over. You know that the religious people are the people who you know are the most you know. Um, uh, difficult to to get to an agreement. I, I think it's the opposite. I think that religion can open up the heart. Um, as long as there's no coercion, as long as people feel comfortable, um, people want to feel inspired, and everybody knows that this is a, that this is a special land. Everybody knows that Jerusalem is, you know, uh, the heart of, uh, of of the Holy Land. Um, you know how to manage it on a day to day basis is tricky. Um, but I think that, um, you know, it's, um, as long as there's mutual respect, um, and I think that, that it, you know, that that's something that this provides. I think that, um, for, um, for, for Jews, uh, we see ourselves as descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, and we see Muslims as, uh, as, uh, as monotheists, as, um, you know, they, they fall under the category of B'nai Noach, uh, the, the children of Noah. Um, and I think that there, you know, there's no, um, there's no problem with religiously with, uh, with non-Jews living in, uh, in the land of Israel, uh, peacefully. Um, the, but I think that this situation is even better than the partitions situations there's their religious questions is it permissible to to um um to give away land for peace so the, there were those who said that it's permissible if, for pikuach nefesh for if it's going to save lives and then the debate was well will this actually save lives or will it endanger lives i think this model it doesn't even involve um giving up giving up or uh uh, uh land if a jew wants to go live in Ramallah in this uh, situation. I don't think that as long as they keep the laws and they're not, uh, you know, um, vandalizing property and, you know, I don't have a problem um, uh, with that. And I think that that's, you know, I think that that's also an advantage of this plan. No, no settlements will be uprooted. Um, you know, Hebron, Hebron is, is a part of, uh, of Israel. The cave of Machpelah, is you know some call it the second holiest place in uh, in Judaism where the the forefathers and uh, their wives are are buried according to tradition, um, and I think for for Palestinians Jaffa is a part of historic Palestine, and you know we're all we're all in it together, um, and um, yeah, so I think that uh, religion has healing power that. Um, um, it, it, it can also be a source of, of conflict, but a lot of it depends on the leadership and the kinds of messages and tones that they set. And I think that a lot of, um, a lot of religious leaders are actually, um, you know, very much believing in, in coexistence. Um, you know, I think, I think we need a lot more education. Uh, Jews need to learn more about Islam and Muslims need to learn more about Judaism. Um, but I think it's we're very similar. We really are cousins. The, um, the cultures are similar. The religious cultures are, are very similar. Um, so yeah. How would the military function in the Abrahamic? Okay, so Federation? that would go back to the um, that the levels that there would be local, national, and federal. I think that the IDF uh, should remain the army, the national army of the state of Israel. Um, I think that in terms of policing, I think we need the military occupation aspects to be removed, but we can't have chaos. There needs to be law and order. Um, and I think that a lot of the responsibilities um, can be shifted to professional federation police. And that these need to be, instead of 19-year-olds with M16s who are scared Israelis often don't realize that Palestinians are, for them, security means they're afraid of getting shot. Um, if they if they look at you know a soldier the wrong way, or if they're not right. respectful, they can that their lives are in danger. So I think we need to have like police officers 
who are over the age of 25. They're fully professional. They're absolutely, you know, bilingual in Hebrew and in English. I would even love it if you have two, two police uh, officers in a car, one Israeli, one Palestinian, um, as a way of uh, dealing, you know, certain things like, um, like traffic in the West Bank. Like, um, uh, you know, I, I, the, there, there are many, um, a lot of accidents, a lot of, you know, there's, there's kind of chaos um, when it comes to things like that. I think there's no reason why you can't have Abrahamic Federation traffic police, for example. Um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, but that when, when, when you get pulled over, you know, um, you know, that you, anytime, look, anytime you get pulled over by a law enforcement figure, you're going to be a little worried, but that's, I think keeping the law and, um, uh, is, is, is vital. And so I think we need to be shifting the army level, uh, army shouldn't be doing policing. Um, but the Palestinians have said that they're not interested in having an army. Um, they would rather spend the money on uh, schools and hospitals. Um, so I think that the IDF would remain um, as it is. Um, over time, I think, um, you know, the things, things could change. You know, if there's peace, there's, there's less of a need for, for an army. Um, but I think Israelis are still very scared. Um, so we, they want to maintain uh, the IDF, but I think that the policing aspect should be go should go at the federation level. And it seems like the the military can also be the 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 military of the Abrahamic Federation, and Palestinians could join that what is currently known as the as the IDF. So I think Israelis would have a lot of problems with that. I think they would be very... Um, they would have problems with it now, though, right? Given a proper uh, peace agreement and reconciliation process, it seems like it's it's definitely viable. Right. So it's called the Israel Defense Forces. So I think, you know, it's it's still at this, at this point, it's Israeli. I don't think, you know, th- I, I think that the Federation shouldn't have an army. Um, I think that the Federation... And I think that the State of Israel... For, certainly for the foreseeable future, will want to maintain its independent control over the army. And I think that that's like, you know, a, personally, I think that that's a way of dealing with it. Palestinians may have a problem with it. Um, I think that this is something that, you know, we can debate. And I think that this isn't a deal breaker, um, uh, per se. Um, now, I, I don't think politics is going to go away. Uh, I'm not a, people say, oh, you know, you're utopian. Every time someone, you're a dreamer, you're an idealist. I am a dreamer. Um, but every time I hear I'm, that I'm utopian or an idealist, I'm like, that's an insult. Thank you very much. Um, I'm not, uh, I, I'm actually, I like to call it pragmatic idealism. Uh, well, dreamers change yeah. the world. So I'm sorry? Dreamers change the world. So, so yeah, you have to, you have, you have to be able to see the world in a different, uh, in a different in a different way, but I I don't I, I'm I was a political science uh, uh, major. I, I I don't think that we're going to uh, all of a sudden ever agree on every last uh, uh, thing. I, I think that politics and debate over politics and political parties are going to remain. Um, but I think that at least you know it happens in a political um, setting rather than in the streets. Um, with guns, uh, you know, I think that you, you, we have to figure out court systems that that's an important, uh, um, and what level of, uh, jurisdiction. I think that we do need some kind of federal court of, uh, civil rights. Um, and we have to, and we have to figure out what would be the composition and go on to court. Um, but I'd rather have, you know, I think, I also think that there would still remain two um, two seats at the United Nations. I don't think the Palestinians are going to give up um, their their seat at the at the at the UN. I think you would have Israel and Palestine would get into big fights over well, who would be the ambassador to the UN? So I think, like France and Germany and England, the United Kingdom still have uh, individual representation at the UN. I think that that would happen if you know there could be a situation 
where we need to go to, you know, I, 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 I hope we don't get to a situation where we have to go to the International Court of Justice, the ICJ, or, but there are bodies, there are ways of dealing with, uh, with conflict. Um, and I don't think conflict is going to disappear. I don't think politics is going to disappear. Um, I think that we can create an environment where we try to work together. And if we create a structure with checks and balances, um, and, uh, you know, that, that has fairness, I think, you know, that will create a way of trying to avoid getting into, into problems. But I think that, um, I think it's doable. I think it's, uh, I think it's really doable. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I do think that the, the issue of military, I, I think it's a pain point here. I, I could definitely understand the concern, uh, you know, given our, our past, our history on this land and our history before this land and our need to remain uh, in power and in control, that many Israelis would fear the idea of a Palestinian military or if Palestinians began to join the IDF. That being said, I think that any area where there's an inequality between both sides is is going to is going to create some some tension that that has potential to boil over or to, to even stop a deal from happening. So, you know, humans in general just have an innate need to want what their neighbors have. Uh, we we it, it, right. This is natural. We, we want what our neighbors have. And there's data to to, to back this up that uh, one of the most important the most important factors in human well-being is to not have a huge disparity of wealth in a, in a given na- uh, nation. If everybody's poor, then they're happier than if some are very rich and some are poor. So get, add that to the already uh, decades of Palestinians being unequal to Israelis, that they already have a lot of trauma and pain caused by inequality, that I think it's going to be very hard to get them to agree to any solution where they don't feel like they have uh, what we have. So, you know, again, I don't have a clear solution, but I, I am going to bring this up as I think a, a certain pain point that might need to be given uh, some level of consideration to see to see how it's resolved. And and again, neither of us may have the answer, but it is something that, that we should think about. Right, right. I, I, I do think it needs to be uh, thought about. Um, I, I think that the issue of inequality um, is, well, I, I mean, I think after World War II, there was a clear element of Germany should be demilitarized. And not every nation, in, you know, each nation in the European Union still rules over its own uh, army. Um, there's no one European Union military force. And I think a lot of European nations would be opposed to that. Um, I think, um, you know, so I, I, I think that the Palestinians, in terms of whether they have the right to an army, do they want to raise an army? I think Israelis would, would you know, obviously fear. It's like, well, if you're having an army, you know, then um, we're not really being peaceful with each other. But I think Israelis, um, you know, for, like you said, for our history, I think we need, we need to be able to have the right, the ability to defend ourselves by ourselves. Um, so I, I, I think I, I, I'm an Israeli, so, you know, that's my side of it. I understand Palestinian would have some difficulties with it. Um, I think that the key issue is that military occupation and inequality has to, has to stop. Um, and I think that the other thing in terms of inequality is there is a great disparity between the economic situation in Palestine and the economic situation in Israel. Um, and by default, Israel is like, you know, because our economy is much stronger, we have to figure out how do we, you know, how do we deal with, you know, um, you know, the imbalance of, of, of power um, and find the, ec- the economics of the situation. Taxes and all, all that, that's the nitty gritty where I don't, I, again, like these are areas where there's going to be screen. Um, all that um, fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all, 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 all of those things. And right. Budgeting and allocation of, uh, of funds and, you know, 
but that's uh, that's okay. That's okay, you know. Like we had, you know, in Israel, like, you know, okay, we're going to go to new elections. And right. like, okay, so because we have to have a budget. So we'll pass a law saying that we don't have to have a budget for another 120 days. So you, you push it off. And that's either there, there, a lot of politics is, is horse trading, it's negotiations. So I think that that's, um, you know, and I think those kinds of questions in terms of, okay, well, what does the council have authority over? You know, who gets to sit on the council? How do they get appointed? Can we have term limits? You know, so I, I want Israelis to feel comfortable that the state of Israel will continue to function for all intents and purposes uh, as it does. But I want Palestinians to feel like their situation has changed. Um, and but Pal- Pal- Palestine, there. I think the other thing that we've been talking about that nobody else is talking about is rooting out corruption in the Palestinian government. Um, and that's they need an independent. Uh, judicial system. There needs to be, you know, internal affairs kind of, uh, um, you know, that nobody is above the law, that people who are, you know, in, in government, that um, they're accountable. Um, you know, they, the being in government is not your private slush fund. Um, and it's not just for your, your maintaining power, you're, you're a servant of the, of the people. And I think that they also need to be guaranteed among themselves, freedom of uh, expression, freedom of the press. Um, you know, they, the Arab world is not, democracy comes from Greece and the West. The, the Arab world is much more authoritarian. Um, so they're going to have to figure out the balance of, you know, okay, I think that the, the model should be more along the lines of governance, nafot uh, in Hebrew, I forgot what the term specific term in Arabic is, but I think what works in Hebron is going to be different than what works in Ramallah um, or Janine or Nablus. Jerusalem is its own has its own set of issues, um, but um, I think that they also they're not as unified um, uh, practically um, as sometimes we think, and I think that they have to for themselves figure out how they want to govern themselves. So you mentioned um, earlier the need to learn the history and religion of, of the other, and I agree with you. I think it's a, I, I think it's a great unifying step, and I think it's part of a greater reconciliation process. Given the amount of pain and trauma that both nations have experienced the past hundred plus years, have reconciliation is needed and i think it's something that's not spoken about enough have you considered this what what steps of reconciliation need to be taken and how, what that looks like right so i think that when it comes to the history um we're not going to agree and i think we have to agree that we're not going to uh agree there's going to be recriminations well, you started this and you started that. And I, I think that um, we need to be thinking more about the present and the future. Um, I think that the history is, is very painful. I think history is important. I love studying history. Um, but I think I don't want to be shackled by history. Um, I think that, um, you know, uh, if we get into the cycle of, who started what with whom, we'll never get out of it. Um, that's my personal opinion. Um, but I think that, like, I, I'm opposed personally to, like, the South African or the Rwandan truth and reconciliation kinds of uh, processes. I don't think that works here. I don't think that this is a simple, you know, like, we're, the, the, the Jews in Israel are not like the whites in South Africa. Um, it's, it's a very different situation. Um, and there's a lot of blame to go around. There's a lot of pain. Um, I think, you know, the, there have been tens of thousands of people who have died, hundreds of thousands who have lost their homes. You know, I think that we can recognize, I think the, the phrase that I've developed is we've each caused each other deep and profound pain. Um, 
you know, whether, you know, we were justified or not, it's not a question I want to get into. Uh, I, I, once you get into the question of who was just and who was right and wrong, I think that that's, um, I think that that's a, a, a big black hole. But I think we can say we're going forward um, that, you know, we're, you know, we're, um, you know, I think each side wants to, you know, remember it's, uh, you know, it's heroes, it's martyrs, it's this. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, we need to be forward looking. Yeah. That's my personal. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm with you on that, but I don't think we need to necessarily decide who's wrong, who's right, who started it all. I just think we, we need mutual recognition that we both uh, committed injustices in the past, right? Uh, if Palestinians could recognize the Hebron massacre and how horrific that was, if they could recognize uh, terror attacks and how horrible that was for us, and if we could recognize displacement um, and, you know, live what, what it's like to live under another nation's military occupation, um, home demolitions, whatever suffering we've caused the Palestinians. Again, it's not about who's right, who's wrong, because I agree with you. We're never going to we're never going to get one side to agree that they're they're the bad guys and the other side's the good guys. It's just it's not a realistic expectation. But I think we could get both sides to acknowledge their wrongdoings and that now we're going to move forward towards, you know, something, you know, a, a unified narrative. Right. So I think that the key is acknowledging that we've caused pain without particularly assigning blame. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, and I, I think we can develop empathy, um, you know, whether it was justified or unjustified, it's not a, that's not a, um, that, that, that's not a, a conversation that I think is particularly productive. Um, I think the Europeans, you know, they slaughtered each other for centuries. And part of, um, you know, in the aftermath of World War II, they simply said, we don't want to do this. Like, right. we can't do this again. Um, and we can't drag the rest of the world down with us. So we have to think about the future. It doesn't mean you don't study history that you that you don't remember history, um, but I think that um, you know each side has its own wounds, and I think it's very I think it's very very hard. I don't uh, know that it's in it's anybody's place to say they forgive that you know that they have the right to forgive or. Um, taking responsibility, like, you know, is it really the responsibility of uh, Palestinians, you know, the, what the Mufti and that he met with Hitler? I mean, like, I, I don't think that modern Palestinians are necessarily responsible for that, you know, and I'm not going to indict David Ben-Gurion for every one of his decisions, um, whether it was right or wrong. It's, it's easy to sit from a presentist perspective in the comfort of 2020 and say this should have been done and that should have been done. Um, but we did cause each other a lot of pain. I think that um, we have to be resolved that we're, that we're going to end the cycle. We're not going, we're not going back um, to, uh, to where we were. Right. What are um, the next steps forward for the Abrahamic Federation? How, how do we get uh, some traction? How do we get people on board? So we have an Amuta. We have an NGO called the Abrahamic Movement. Um, we have done a couple of uh, events. Um, I think um, I think we need a lot more um, publicity. I think we need to um, we, we need to. I've thought about having a congress of some sort, um, an Abrahamic uh, congress, a federal, Abrahamic federal congress. Um, where we work together to uh, to build this uh, this this model uh, going forward. Um, one of the challenges of being a dreamer is that we're not the best at uh, <laughs> working out executing details. That's where my wife comes in. <laughs> um, she's like, "Okay, it's very very nice. I'm the one who gets things done in the family." <laughs> um, so. Uh, you know, I think I think we do need to work together. I think um, building support, building uh, you know, um, 
uh, you know, I think that this is, uh, I, people say that like, this is, uh, this could work. And, um, so I, I'm excited. I, I feel, um, you know, but we, we really, I mean, frankly, we need to, we need to raise funds and we need to have, um, uh, a, um, you know, a publicity campaign. We need to, um, at, I think at this point, we're at the point where we need to be thinking about this as a political campaign. Um, and I think we need to uh, work with uh, political leaders. I think we need to get the support of political leaders. I think um, Ruby Rivlin, the president of the state of Israel, has expressed his uh, support for ideas of this sort. I think maybe if we could get his support, I don't know what's going to happen with um, Netanyahu, Gantz, Abbas, you know, I, I think I think we need to be thinking practically as a, as a political lobby. We need to be a movement that promotes something, but we also need to be talking to um, uh, political uh, leaders, and we have to be, you know, pressuring them. I think that um, you know things. It a lot of a lot of depends in Israel on uh, America and what happens in American elections. So I think that. Um, you know, what happens in America if there's a new administration, I think will change things uh, for Israel, could, could change things for Israelis. It may, you know, the situation, the Israeli right wing is very happy with, relatively happy with Trump. If, uh, if a Biden administration comes in, things could change. So maybe, you know, they need to understand that they're, that they're I, I think that this has the ability to appeal to the right and the left, religious and secular, Arab and uh and jew and i think but it's like okay we've gotta we've gotta move we've gotta you know the the that the clock is ticking and uh, i think we have to neutralize um if, if israelis and palestinians can make peace we can then tell uh hezbollah and uh, and the iranians get, get the hell out of here like stop uh stop screwing around with our region and i, I think that that would and I think I think the Saudis could play a great role, especially the Abrahamic bees. If we could get you know the the and the Hashemites and the the, the King of Jordan, uh, all of these people. So you know I'm thinking big, um, um, but um, you know making making those contacts and um, you know I, I think if we when we present ourselves as a movement that there's popular support for it, um, I think that you know that that has power. Um, so we need to be building steam and momentum. Great. Any um, any final uh, thoughts you want to share? It's doable. Yesh Pitaron, um, the Abrahamic solution, I think, uh, is, uh, you know, I, I think that it, um, people ask me, am I optimistic? And I say yes, because I think that there is a way forward. Um, and uh, we, you know, I, you know, how do we, how do we get people on board? How do we, uh, you know, how do we take, how do we build steam? How do we go with this? But um, I think it's doable. Amen, brother. I'm with you. Um, thank you so much for your time and continue to thank stand you. up for something so important.